This is the Oil and Gas Startups Podcast, where we showcase emerging technology and the stories of industry founders, investors, and leaders with your hosts, Jake Corley and Colin McClelland. What's going on, Digital Wildcatters? Welcome to another week of Oil and Gas Startups Podcast. Got my friend here today, Tad. Wallace from Universal Chemical Solutions. What's up, my guy? Ah, not much. Not much. Nice to be here. Yeah. Man, like, I kind of see the office. Like, I dig. I dig. We don't have nothing this fancy where I work. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know about fancy. We're just, we're just pretty resourceful. <laughs> it's interesting with all the cameras. Like, wow, paparazzi and a red carpet. Anytime someone comes on the podcast, I'm like, hey, don't worry. It's just a conversation. We just got <laughs> bright lights, cameras, microphones. But yeah, no, man. So this isn't your first time uh, on Digital Wildcatters. You've been at Energy Tech mm-hmm. Night. Um, so maybe first time on the podcast, but some people may recognize you from Energy Tech Night. Um, that was a fun night. Yeah, yeah you were at New Wave back in yeah. uh, November. So gotten to know you over the last, uh, call it eight yeah. months or so. Yeah. Um, you have some really cool technology. You brought me a couple samples of crude to actually show me um, how it works. So first... Let's talk about what what the technology is. Mm-hmm. Um, just like two minute uh, yeah. spiel on it, and then we're gonna get into that and your story. Yeah. So just a real quick of what we're doing um, in today's world. EOR is the name of the game. That's where a lot of energy is being focused at. Um, me and my team uh, just so happened to have a couple of years ago worked with a process to use uh, liquid propane and butane injecting it into reservoirs to be miscible at low pressures to start moving um, stuck or residual hydrocarbons left in the reservoir. While doing so, we also put together a couple chemistries, things such as a uh, a type of surfactant non-emulsifier. So while we're injecting, we can also work on removing the residual frac water left from the frac. we all know that you don't recover all the, the frac water, especially out of shell. Mm-hmm. The majority of it's left down hole. Well, with that being left down hole, it impedes perm. So in a unique way that uh, my friend Dr. Lau from FESCO kind of uh, uh, thinks about our technology, it's essentially doing three treatments at one time, well-bore stimulation, cleanup, miscibility, secondary recovery, and also long-term chemical placement. Um, we can put wax crystal modifiers deep in the reservoir, so as a very waxy like Eagleford starts flowing back. We keep the wax in solution. So it's kind of like, as Lau would say, taking three darts, throwing it at the dartboard at one time when everybody else just has a one. Yeah. So our mechanisms behind the technology are miscibility, um, wellbore clean out. Then, of course, because uh, with propane and butane, you can really dissolve a lot of paraffins that are in your, your wells. Yeah. Uh, and uh, as it flows, it also helps you clean up your flow lines on the surface. Yeah. So real quick on the tech, it's just... Uh, Man, we're throwing down uh, propane and butane, liquid state, a little crazy. Um, not your backyard propane, but uh, we're putting it in the reservoirs and making more oil. Yeah, for okay. a better return on money. Let's break this down. Um, I mean, a lot of people that listen to the show are familiar with a lot of the terms that you're using, but mm-hmm. for people that aren't, because okay. you're talking about perm and <laughs> you know EOR and all different types of uh, terms that someone may not be familiar with. Um, Let's do this. Let's talk about what EOR is mm-hmm. first and how it's done traditionally. 
That way we can get some context um, on what that is and how it's done. Yeah. So EOR is essentially EOR, IOR, Enhanced Oil uh, Recovery, Improved Oil Recovery, which is what we would call secondary recovery techniques, i.e. you've drilled your well, you've put it into production. That well is now making very little uh, fluids. It's very little production. But you know that you have a lot of fluid down there, but you've lost either reservoir pressure or numerous line of different things. So EOR on a big scale is looking at a reservoir to do secondary enhanced recovery, i.e. CO2 floods, water flooding, Mm -hmm. many different things like that, high gas injection, the huff and puff system. That's an EOR, a secondary recovery on an oil well once it's met its non-economic limit. However, the reserve is still there. Got you. And you brought up a really interesting point when you were talking about um, some of the issues with fracking. You inject a lot of water downhole and a lot of that water stays in the reservoir Mm -hmm. and that, to what you said, impedes um, permeability. And, you know, that's something that, um, you know, obviously you have a flow back process after after you frack and you try to bring that water back up to Mm -hmm. surface. But I remember you at Energy Tech Night um, giving a pretty um, um, surprising statistic about mm-hmm. how much water is actually left down hole. Oh, what, it's incredible. Yeah, how, <laughs> how, how much is actually um, left down? So most of the operators we work with, um, luckily enough to get their data, they're most show roughly after the three-year um, production period, they're only recovering about 30%. Thirty percent. So they're leaving seventy percent of their water down. Yeah. So when you're pumping a couple million barrel frack job, you can only imagine the amount of water left in the ground from that. Yeah. Where is that water? So for years, the idea was, hey, the water's helping us out because it's displacing oil. But we all know when you look at the decline curves on shale, that cannot be the case because if we start injecting more water, we and refracturing what we're seeing is even less production coming back. Yeah. Yeah. So the water cannot be a helping mechanism. Yeah. Now, we now learn. It took us 10 years. My previous background was I was at gas frack, where we actually fracked wells with liquid propane and butane, zero water on the surface. Yeah. Um, you see the, the long-term recovery of those wells versus their water fracked wells. Yes, they were probably twice the price, just because the fluid system's so high, right? Yeah. Versus water. However, the EUR on them and, and the actual recovery is double in the same amount of time. Yeah. So you can look at a 10-year spell and be like, oh, well, it's very economic. Yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of where propane and butane for us came about and um, what we're doing with it. Yeah. So tell me about um, – you brought these oil samples over here. If you're not watching on video, you're not going to be able to see these. But <laughs> if you're watching on YouTube – um, we have post-treated and pre-treated and you told me to shake these up, uh, post-treated's over in this hand and you can see how quickly this, this crude falls down the jar. Mm-hmm. This one is still, um, accumulated up here and still falling. This post-treated glass is pretty, uh, clear. And so you said the butane is what it's allows that. Yeah. Yes. So what we did is we injected on a well in South Texas, an oil well in the uh, San Miguel formation. We went down and uh, did a stimulation. We threw a little surfactant in it and 
we took samples of all the fluids pre-hand and then post-treatment. Because, of course, when anybody does a big project like this, you know, it's all about, you know, testing, 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 really understanding what mechanisms are working and what mechanisms may not be working. Mm-hmm. So we got water samples. We got gas samples, anything you think of. We go down, we do the job. Um, wonderful job. It went off great Step Energy Services, who we uh, license our technology to. Yeah, I was going to yeah, mention that um, Step, Step yeah, uses it. Dude, they rocked it. Which uh, Step is one of the larger... Uh, service companies. Yeah, service mm-hmm. companies, uh, primarily up in Canada, right? Uh, and I'm Canada in the U.S. Now they got a pretty good standing in the, the Midland oh, okay. uh, Basin. They're bringing on, I believe, a, a couple more crews in uh, the Texas region. Of course, South Texas is where the LPG... Yeah. Um, division is located out of and uh no step is a pretty good size international player I, I know they have moved i think internationally um or moving in that direction um they've been a, in a great big brother for us so yeah we licensed the technology out to them so we're very blessed in that and then on the same job who did all the testing with us i have to say thank you to the guys at fesco um if that's a, a company you guys haven't talked to you've got to hear their history it's a Texas oil company. Yeah. History, man. No debt in over 40 years. That's you crazy. may want to talk to these guys. <laughs> yeah. They got a secret, right? Um, no, so uh, we did the job. We tested. And then once again, we tested all the flow back after the job. And we were able to prove some of the things that we're really looking for on these big, large scale horizontals. And the nice thing for this is I was actually have this is data I own. So yeah. I can actually talk about yeah. this data. It's interesting <laughs> if you have something good, people don't let you talk about it. Yeah. Um, so, um and now we're working, uh, uh, going into big horizontals. But what we were able to prove was you can achieve miscibility at a very low pressure. High, the Huff and Puff high-pressure compression systems, the big thing that EOG and S and some guys have used, and what that is doing is taking your field gas you're producing, mm-hmm. kind of your propanes and butanes, mm-hmm. and high-pressure just injecting them into the reservoir. Yeah. And you're trying to force the molecules in to the oil. Yeah. Well, you need a lot of pressure to do that. It means a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. It means a lot of cost. We were able to go out underneath a quarter million dollars and take a well that was doing roughly a, a barrel a day. The flow back on it was at 30 barrels a day. Um, two days ago, she was still making six barrels a day, and this has been 85 days later. Yeah. Um, the original IP on the well was, you know, 15-something barrels a day, and we're still holding at six. Yeah. So for a cost to scale – Right, and this is where we're actually very happy to get ready to do right now at the end of the month is an operator we're working with is going to let us have some data on if you could take a thousand barrel of well IP that is now doing twenty barrels a day, and you bring that well back up to its same mimic, let's say eight hundred barrels, and sixty days later she's holding half the IP at four five hundred. That is a very economic system right now in today's market, mm-hmm. but. Beyond that, it's also the most environmentally friendly way to do secondary recovery. Our our CO2 output, just our fuel burned versus a refrack on a big well. Yeah. Um, we're only burning 390 gallons of fuel to do our whole job. Yeah. They're burning 79, I want to almost say 100, uh, or seven, 700,000 gallons. Yeah. To pull off a refrack. Yeah. I mean, yeah, when you yeah. have frack spread out there, you're going to be using a ton of diesel. So, so we're still using a frack yeah. pump. So let's, um, you know, in a huff and puff, essentially, you know, let's lay this out for someone that may not be familiar with it. You know, you're coming into the backside of that reservoir, essentially, and injecting gas mm-hmm. and trying to force the oil into the well bore of the producing well. You're trying to force the molecules into the oil to make it lighter, like you see here. Got you. Yes. Yep. Yes. 
for you guys, you're actually injecting down the producing well bore and essentially right into the rock. Yeah. Right into the rock. And then, okay. Um, now let's talk about surface level operations. Like you just Mm -hmm. said, um, you know, typical refrack, you're going to bring an entire frack spread out there (laughs) and, you know, you're going to try to re-stimulate this thing and really, you know, you get kind of dicey results from a lot of refrack, um, Mm -hmm. methods. You guys are bringing out one, um, high pressure pump. Maybe two, depending maybe, on maybe the pressure two, I need to get to. Yeah, uh, one day operation, single operation, uh, uh, daylight hours only. Mm-hmm. Um, so the big difference between us and a refrac, like you're you're going on, is not just the amount of equipment needed, the amount of time, but we're also not re-injecting the fluid that we know is creating damage. Mm-hmm. Right, for a much smaller charge, we're going to take the fluid that you've produced, essentially a hydrocarbon. And go down and work the the wellbore backwards. Yeah. The the refrack it, it, it seems good, like oh it works really well. But when you start breaking down economics and long term production, you may get a boost, but that boost is even shorter than the original mm-hmm. decline. Yeah. And then you almost see the wells fall underneath where they were before the well was even refracted. Yeah. You may do more long term damage it, potentially. Exactly. So yep. you. Nice about what we're doing is there's no damage created. I'm, there's nothing I can do to make the thing worse. Yeah, like 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 there's a lot of guys. It's like pretty high, shit. pretty pretty high floor. Yeah. It's like hey, it's not gonna get worse. Yeah, I can get, like, like but you know, in really in oil and gas, when you have to like take risk, right? You have to really take into consideration: is a refract gonna hit me? Yeah. But once you sit back and think about it, well, if I'm injecting the fluid I'm making, at worst case scenario, I'm gonna zero out and do no damage. Yeah, no damage done. Yeah. It's kind of like the whole medical thing, right? Just don't create any more worse <laughs> yeah. than you've done. Um, and the ability to add surfactants and all that really starts to add in and come as a, 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 a really good technology mm-hmm. that's simple in, out, quick. Because I truly believe the oil business is moving into efficiencies of EOR versus drill bit. Yeah. Um, some of our primaries in the country are drilled up Yeah. or, or closing in fast. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, we're running out of tier one rock, right? For sure. Yeah. And- I was actually on a panel this weekend or this week and um, Paul Treadwell from um, uh, previously at Parsley said that everyone's the, – the spectrum of what tier one rock is is shifting. <laughs> yes. And They're so now people two, call it, yeah, calling their tier two rock <laughs> yeah. tier one. Yeah, that, like, that's what it is. Yeah. Yes. And, um, you know, that – which to his point with higher commodity prices, you know, makes that, it tier one. Yeah. It makes it, makes it tier one. Um, but that, that is a problem as well that we're just running out of, we drilled with the best rock mm-hmm. and unfortunately, I mean, nothing that we could do about it, but we learned a lot over the last decade and we yes, wasted, we, we wasted a lot of rock. Right. Yes. And I believe like I'm on the same page with you that, Hey, we're gonna spend a lot thinking about how do we recover more um, from the assets that we that we've drilled. That's I don't, the I don't, game. I don't think the value is gonna come through the drill bit. Um, I agree. Very little value now is gonna be led through the bit. I think it's gonna be looked at reserves and how well you can get to the remaining. Reserves. How much oil is typically recovered out of a shell well? Uh, looking at about four percent. Four percent. Yeah. Four yeah. percent. That is fucking insane. So <laughs> for our technology, uh, we work with a. Uh, some of the people listening may know uh, International Reservoir Technologies, uh, Joe Dozo and them out of uh, Colorado. 
they're a phenomenal modeling company. They do all this stuff for uh, BP up there in the North Slope. They're pretty famous for that. They, yeah. They work around. And um, some of the work we've done with them, when you really look at what you could do with Shell, for roughly, the cu- we're getting ready to do a job for a customer right now that's going to be able to supply their own fluid because they're just going to use their own essential Y-grade fluid. Um, we're going to be underneath half a mil, and they're going to be able to get 1% recovery out of that. Nice. So if you can actually get 1% of recovery for underneath half a mil versus 4% recovery for about 10 mil, mm-hmm. you're going to see the ROI flips. Yeah. yeah. And the more and more now jobs that we're getting under our books and we're working with our customers to understand how to, to get efficient, right? Always the first one's the most expensive. Yeah. Now we're moving into how our operators are negotiating the fluid contracts to use this system and saying, hey, look, we need propane and butane at this ratio hey, we're producing so much of it. How about we go borrow it from ourselves and driving the cost of our operations so low that the ROIs, you know, in 30 days, they've got the money back and it's still kicking. Yeah. And that's where I really think many oil companies are going to be driven to. You can't get steel. One of the operators we're working with uh, just ordered their 2023, 2024 steel. They had to have the order in last, like two months ago and, and had, to, had to check last month. You can't get steel. You can't get employees. You can't get That's trucks. what I've been telling people. It doesn't matter about cap, capital discipline in oil and gas because even if you want to go drill, you can't, you can't get drill. pipe. Yeah. You can't get personnel. You, right. can't you can't deploy, get semen. Yeah, you, you can't get it. You can't deploy a frack spread if you don't have personnel. And so not only do you have material shortages, you have human capital shortages yep. as well. Massive so, human capital. And it's a big problem. You know, one thing that I, you know, you came from the, the how would I say, the working in. It's me and my brothers are the same way, right? University for me what didn't go until I was 36 yeah. after I'd already got my ass handed to me a little bit, right? Um, I love this industry. It's one industry where a regular guy with no education go take care of himself, right? Take care of his family, do very well for himself. But we ran a lot of people off in this last downturn. Mm-hmm. And people are like, well, why don't they come back? Well, they just went to Amazon making 90 grand a year driving their trucks and they're home every night. Yeah. They don't got no guy yelling at them or in the warehouse, at two o'clock you know? in the morning, yeah. exactly doing something. Yeah. And so I do also think energy companies right now are facing not just one, one gun pointed at them. There's numerous guns that have no effect, even if they have the money Yeah, and they have the want. Yeah. That's someone asked me at this, uh, this event at Dallas crude association said, yeah, well, capital can take care of all those pain points. Right. And I said, capital. typically I would agree with you, but, I don't think that capital um, fixes the problems, um, especially when it comes to personnel, because you look at Gen Z, Gen Z's not going to work in the oil field. Not, not, <laughs> not like this, right? Yeah. And the only ones that will be will be the kids that literally came out of the, probably the more economic, desperate places. Yeah, I mean, you'll that, have, that, yeah. That, I mean, that led them to it, right? Yeah. And, and that's not what you always want to get the best talent. I'm not saying there's not great talent there, yeah. but yeah. Um, we're in a really weird place. A good thing to think about when I talk to people is phosphorus. Um, so we're a chemical company still. We recreate chemicals and we help out with uh, specialty blends for customers. Phosphorus, the one thing you almost need for so much. You don't think about what you need it for. China has the majority of the mines in the world for it. Yeah. And they just shut down half of them. Yeah. So phosphorus prices are on the skyrocket. These are things that an oil company in the United States cannot control. So how do we increase production? What is there and what do we have to work with? And essentially what single shot is, is taking frack equipment and using it for a whole new purpose. If there's no more wells to 
frack for the first time. Mm-hmm. What do we do with this equipment? Ship it on to Australia or put it on a boat to the Middle East? Yeah. Or do we sit it right here and actually see the asset being able to be used? When we went to Step Energy with this idea, I knew that Step had purchased the gas frack assets. Mm-hmm. So everybody's like, man, how would you do this? I'm like, man, I know exactly how to do it. Call Step. Now, at first, I wouldn't raise the money to actually purchase the whole old gas frack everything. And when I first talked to Mike Burble and the guys at Step, told them what we were doing. Um, man, to be honest with you, thankful to say that they kind of like, hey, we, we kind of like what we got here, but we wouldn't mind working with you. Let's talk. And we were able to work a licensing deal out. Yeah. And so uh, we are the engineering side of this, this part of their license. We, uh, UCS does all the engineering background and everything. So when we started building up, the one thing I saw with Step is they were able to say now they had all these kick-ass assets that were on the fence. Yeah. How do we use them? And so Single Shot kind of brought back in many ways a whole division for Step Energy, which if I don't know if I'm allowed to say this or not, their stock's been doing very well. <laughs> and and, 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 uh, and uh, yeah, a lot of my friends and family members are, are very happy. Go Step, keep going. Um, so let's talk about, Let's rewind it back a minute because mm-hmm. you made a uh, comment about, you know, coming up um, from the field in mm-hmm. working class. When you know what I like about you is, you know, people can't see you, but you know you're tatted up and you got a few. You know, yeah. <laughs> and what's funny is like when I first met you, I was like, oh yeah, this guy's got like field hand vibes. You know, mm-hmm. the way you talk and um, way you look. And then you start talking, you're like, man, he knows his shit. <laughs> I, I, I try to know a little bit. So I play uh, dumb more than let, I am. Let's talk about um, your background. Mm-hmm. You know, how'd you get in the oil field? Uh, quick story, like I was kind of saying earlier, man, out of high school, went and followed dad. He went in the military. I went in the military, did my thing, got out, kind of stumbled through life a little bit. What branch? Uh, Air Force. Okay. Um, you seen the new Top Gun? Uh, no, I haven't seen Dude, it yet. To, no, badass. no. I mean, I, I I heard about the mustache thing. <laughs> yeah, the uh, mustache. Yeah, yeah. Look, I saw it. I'm keeping my beard. I'm yeah, not I'm like, mustache. I don't know, man. I don't know yet. Uh, I don't know if the missus would be happy with that mustache. Um, but uh, got out, stumbled through life a little bit. Um, I'm a, a graduated high school up in North Texas. Um, so both my brothers are at Halliburton. I'm out of the military now. Um, Got an opportunity to go to work at a pumping company and got in with that. Um, was at San Jail. Uh, yeah. If you all remember San Jail, yep. Canadian company. Uh, yep. I was there for quite a while out of uh, San Antonio handling all facilities and whatnot. And um, a, a mentor of mine, and now he's actually one of the guys here at the company with me, um, Dave Nicholas. Uh, he asked me one day, like, hey, man, I got this crazy idea. Um, these guys hit me up with, let's go frack some oil wells with propane and butane. So, of course, me, he's like, all right. Let's just go do it. I thought I was going to the apple of the oil. So that's why I took the job essentially was I thought, holy shit, if these guys are on to something, I'm seeing in the New York Times all this water being used, how much the Bakken is just getting beat up environmentally, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, hey, man, what could, it, what could it, uh, be worse? Mm-hmm. Went over there and spent three years and learned so damn much. Um, I saw the writing on the wall. The company was going under more, not because of technology mainly, but what I would consider uh, – uh, I mean, I was in management there, mm-hmm. but I, what I would consider probably not leadership from the top financially. Yeah, probably. Right. I remember that was 2008, 10 people were just expense accounts of 30 grand a month to blow. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, and so I went to go work for a company called Sino out of Canada and, and very, very blessed, uh, to work for a gentleman by the name of uh, Dr. Sean Mesher, who was actually one of the guys that built the chemistry to jail propane and butane for gas frack. 
spent some time uh, working for him in the U.S. selling hydrocarbon-based oils and fluids and uh, started building a business inside Hillcorp to help them out with chemistry. And at that point in time, I was offered to take over the business. They're going to get out of the U.S. and happy, happy, joy, joy. So, of course, I'm fucking all in, <laughs> throw all my money in the table, and, man, I'm telling you, if anybody knows about building a chemical you know, company, just the insurance policy, it was paid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so two days before we take over the field for Hillcorp, which would have been a big thing for us, um, I get the phone call says, hey, there were some, some problems done between the last company and billing's not resolved. We can't go forward right now with this plan. Two years later, they resolved it. So you can imagine I went from having everything and taking a gamble to now it's all gone. Um, and instead of going back to working for someone, I kind of took what I was learning at gas frack. And then what I, all these amazing conversations with this incredibly smart guy to, Hey, this is what I would be thinking about. If somebody could go work on that, I just, you know, it was past him, but he's planting seeds. Um, so I use my uh, GI bill and, um, instead of going to work for somebody, I, I moved into the RV that mom and dad had and, started university and made it through one class um it got into organic chemistry and the professor kind of wrote a an equation on the table and i said that explains this and that was my last day in class and i now have an amazing team of <laughs> xbp executives and senior people around me yeah, and I we have a company check out and um so that's kind of how we ended up here i ended up in the oil field just like most kids man um didn't have a rich mom and dad had a hard working mom and dad uh, work ethic, but never had came from ability. And, you know, I, I sit back and I watch a lot of the guys that, you know, are doing really cool things. And sometimes I'm like, man, do, do they really have the boots, you know, in the corner to show, you know, a lot of them don't have the boots. Yeah. If you understand what I mean. I understand what you mean. And uh, so, yeah, I think the unique thing about our little company over here is that I'm the only guy at the company that doesn't have a college degree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a, it's an interesting yeah. dynamic probably versus most of the other companies yeah. that you hear from. Yeah. I love that. I mean, obviously it's the same over here. I don't have a college degree either. So, um, but you know, in the engineering world, right. It's a very like, like looking at you like, huh? Eh, <laughs> is this guy, man? <laughs> but also, you know, when you work out in the field, I mean, you're Look, seeing what's problems. You know, I, I made this comment on TikTok the other day. Someone um, said something about field hands, said something positive about field hands. Mm -hmm. And I was like, some of the smartest people I know are oh. on the oil field without college degrees. Oh. I mean, I remember my uh, first few weeks on a drilling rig, roughnecking. I remember coming home and uh, talking to uh, my uncle. And I remember being just fucking amazed by these roughnecks on this rig. I was no like, dummies. I was like, they're like mechanics yeah. and engineers. Like they know shit that's happened. Like remember, like it's hard, man, because you get all this downhole knowledge and you forget yep. what it was like on day one, where you're like, mm -hmm. how do they know what's happening down there? Like, that's right. How, how do they know? That's right. And then oh shit, a pumps a pumps down or a generator's down. They know how to fix it, and there's just like amazing. It, it all starts to come together for those guys, right? Yeah. I think you know Germany's got an amazing engineering system, right? Which is like. Hey, if you want to be an engineer, all right, cool. Go to go to school. It's all cool shit. But you got to go do it. If you want to be an HVAC engineer in, in design, heating, and, and, and mechanical, system, you got to actually go install them yourself. Yeah. We're not going to award you this degree until you can actually go, go run with it. the dudes. You know, I think that's one it. of the biggest problems with the oil field is yes. the old school engineers. When you got out of school, you did it. They put a shovel in your hand. And you went out to yep. the field, and you actually right. did it. And I think a big problem that the oil and gas industry had, and probably some of my listeners will be pissed off at this, but especially 
around 2014. Oh. You had um, kids coming out of university. And I mean, these companies were catering to them. Pay them low, do cookie cutter work. It's easy. Yeah. That's what they were. And not to be rude, like, guys, we were doing cookie cutter work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how we drilled well one is how we're going to drill two through 99. Well, you saw, I mean, so. you saw that across all functions. I mean, like wireline hands. I mean, there's yeah. some guys that all they did was fracking stage work. And I mean, you teach a monkey to run a wireline truck on frack jobs. And Dude. then you need to go try to do pipe recovery or through tubing work. And all of a sudden you're like, you have no well, clue what you're doing. You know, I, I had a a, a a part of our company for a little while was a gentleman by the name of Mike Mace, and he was he was a, a good influence for the time that he was with us. And he taught me in this whole thing. He said, Tad, the guy that makes the most money in this whole damn business is the guy with the idea. He says, not the CEO of the oil company. It's that guy that was on the back of the cement truck and said, I could build a different cement truck. <laughs> and next thing you know, he's got the best. That's that's the man that, yeah. that did it. And I, I've really learned a lot in probably the last two years because I've been forced, as you know, I've had to get my um, from the streets MBA. Yeah. I, I, I can talk the language. I had to go learn how to do all these differing things. At the same time, we had to engineer wells and, and, and go down hole. And I think that uh, there's so many of the dudes in the field are the same way, just given chance, right? I just so happened I didn't have kids and a family, right? It was me, a dog, and a cat. Like, let's go throw it all on fucking black and mm-hmm. let's see what happens. I really believe in black. Um, I I sit back a lot of the time and I, I debate inside my own head because, you know, private equity gets a bad rap sometimes. Because, you know, I, I have to tell people, I'm not backed by private equity. I got to be open and honest. I'm backed by um, just high-wealth individual. Yeah. Um, and... Um, but private equity is what gives ability to kids like me to get a chance. Yeah. If you're some kid that doesn't have a, a grandpa or somebody to go leverage a house on, hey, but you can come with some buddies and come with three, 400 grand, right? Private equity will do a deal with you, give you a chance. Yeah. At the same time, do I think they went maybe and asked the investors for too much money during shell? That's a different topic, <laughs> right? But so I, I say that I beat up on private equity a lot in one respect, but in the other respect, I have to say, hey, because of private equity, Regular dudes get a chance. Yeah, I think um, this is a whole other episode because, <laughs> I mean, private. You can't talk about private equity in a blank blanket statement, but I do believe that private equity is tearing up the fabric of the United States. Oh, many ways, in yes. certain certain aspects. Um, well, there's, it's there's the deals some, that are done right. So it's not so much the the idea of private equity; it's the deals that they yeah, strike with the people, right? Yeah, and that's where I think the. You just the Blackstones of the world oh. are they they can be you know like one of the biggest problems right now is private equity going up and buying all the single family houses in the United yeah. States like and flipping it into rentals yeah that we all know the number one way to generate <laughs> wealth believe it or not ain't no oil and gas gang yeah it's actually property yeah and, and you're taking away the ability for people to own property and so anyways you know that's that's another another thing, thing, right? another topic. But, yeah and so uh but no one we get into all this like I sit back and I look at our industry right I got two brothers out there man. Um, both in the patch. One of my brothers over at BJ Energy Solutions. I, I believe my other brother's over there too now. Um, so it's a family of all of us, right? Mm-hmm. Um, all my friends and family. And so when I sit back and look at it, I'm like, up until recently, almost all my friends and family in this industry were all non-educated field hands. Yeah. And over time, what I'm noticing is, is like, uh, hey, I can sit at the same table with these guys with these big degrees. 
what changes it. I may not know the word. I may have to Google in the middle of the, the conversation to learn what words we're using. <laughs> but I actually know the word. I just know it in a different phrase that we use in the field. Yeah. And once you start seeing that, you're like, huh, where is the industry really changing? Where are the big dynamic changes at? It's not coming out of the engineering realm. It's coming out of somebody in the field. Fracking didn't happen because a bunch of guys were in a room drawing up, right? And you look at Halliburton. I mean, the story of Halliburton is, is an incredible story, right? Five-year-old kid looks at his dad. Why don't we just run cement down it? Well, holy crap. That came from a five-year-old kid. Here's Halliburton today. Yeah. Show me where the step changes were engineered first. I mean, <clears throat> that's why I'm always so bullish on ideas from people that come from the field or engineering because they see the problems day yeah. in and day out. And why don't we do it like this? Um, try. I mean, it's so interesting, too, when you think, like, you just brought up, you know, how Halliburton was made. I mean, a lot of people don't know <laughs> the first mud programs were just made with fucking mud pits, cow shit, literally. and literally just putting water, like... Yeah, literally yeah, mud. Yeah, literally like, mud. That's why yeah. it's called mud. It wasn't drilling fluid, <laughs> yeah. it was fucking mud. It wasn't Clement coming out and giving you the best <laughs> yeah. stuff you could get, right? Like, yeah. you know, we live, we, 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 we're so blessed to be in an industry in which, man, like, I get back to you all the time. You know, uh, many times we only see the guys with the white collars on and the, and the, the fancy shoes. Um, the reality is how many people eat off this business that we don't get to see or hear from, right? Yeah. There's a, I, I'm so pissed of any of my friends and family members that I can't find a job that pays worth shit. Well, your liberal arts degree probably didn't pay him, but if you go to West Texas right now, show up with a pair of boots and jeans and look presentable and can piss in a cup, yeah. you're leaving out in 30 days with about 10 grand in your pocket. So I just, I put out a uh, TikTok the other day because people were asking me, how do you get in the oil field? It's crazy. I put out something on Twitter. I put out something on TikTok. There are people that want to come to work. I had a guy send me a message. He's like, hey, he's like, I play rugby. Um, yeah. He's like, COVID has kind of ruined my yeah. contract. He's like, I'm athletic. Um, he's like, I, I want a job where I can stay in shape. He's like, I saw you talking about the oil field. He's like, oh, hard, 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 crew, man. He's like, hard work, hot weather, yeah. lifting heavy stuff. He's like, that sounds, he's like, how do I get in? I'm like, you go to West Texas. Go show live out up. of your fucking car Just for a week up. if you have to right now. Yes, you go down on I-20, 191, knock on doors, you'll get a job. Oh, I, I tell all you got to do is show up. But, and I tell people, same thing my dad told me, which put on, even when you're poor, you can be clean. We didn't, we didn't grow up with a whole bunch. They, they had a, we, we had enough <laughs> to be clean in my house. We, I was very blessed in many ways, right? But the thing is, if you just show up in West Texas or anywhere in this industry, the good pair of boots, don't got to be the fanciest stuff. Just show up there and say, hey, I want to work. Yeah, this is the last industry. It used to be the steel mills, right? My grandfather made his living in Kansas City steel mills for forty-five years, right? You can't do that today. Yeah, but the last place a regular dude's got a fighting chance. Oh yeah, is uh, the oil and gas business. I I don't, I don't know where else I tell people. That. So there are always people. I say you can go out in the oil field entry level. You can go make eighty, ninety thousand dollars a year, and I'll always get replies. Yeah, but if you look at that on an hour-adjusted basis, you're working 100 hours, or it's dangerous, or it's hard work, you don't have work-life balance. I'm fucking grateful I had the opportunity oh. to work in oh. oil and gas 
I graduated high school with a 1.6 GPA. I didn't go to university. But <laughs> yeah. this, in, this industry gave me an opportunity. Uh, it says, if you'll come work hard, you can be rewarded. And I'm fucking grateful I had the opportunity to do that. I, I know there's a ton so of people thankful. out there that would be grateful for the opportunity so, as well. a little funny thing about me. You say that. I uh, I grew up with an interesting childhood already growing up as a military kid. But I graduated after five years of high school. And I literally was told I will probably never be anything, right? <laughs> and um, I, I just love the ability where... There was a time in America a guy could get by, but today, if you really want to get by, there's really no opportunity. Just go get it in the patch. Mm-hmm. And I tell, especially guys my age, you know, I'm getting old now. I'm, no, I'm saying old. I'm 40. I just hit 40, right? <laughs> Feel old. I don't consider 40 to be <laughs> old, but uh, and when you've been running this, down this, 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 this building a business, will, oh, <laughs> this I ain't got no more hair. <laughs> yeah, this, <laughs> so. this industry will make you feel old. <laughs> oh, quick! But uh, you know, it's it's a blessed place, but it's hard to sit back and see like, hey, look. Um, especially like what we're doing. And I love what we're doing with step energy because as, as the tech grows, more employees get brought on. Right. And now we're going down a line where, Hey, environmental regulations are not going to affect it. Right. You can go outlaw water. All you're doing is making us better. Mm-hmm. Um, so being a part of actually seeing a crazy idea come out of a head and then built from a team to go into a patent and go into a contract and actually physically seeing this thing going down home. You couldn't buy that. Yeah. Like there's not a price tag on it. But as it scales now, what I also get to see is, hey, man, I see my brothers going to work. I see my, fr- you know what I mean? I see that I know that's going to be protectable from uh, a government source entity mm-hmm. to say, let's slow down. Yeah. And I, I think that's a, the next step for oil and gas is this ESG thing. Like I never was into it. Um, quite honestly, I still got my own skepticisms. But at the end of the day, that's the game that we're playing. Let's 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 be the best. I'm. I grew up. Hey, if we're gonna go fish, we leave. Pick up the trash the other person didn't. Right. Always leave things better than you found it. Yeah. And I think oil and gas does that already. Yeah. In many ways. However, I do think uh, uh, Sarah Stoger. I got a. I've never talked to her. Don't know her. Kind of wanted her to be railroad commissioner, but she highlights the places that we are. And there's nothing wrong with going back and saying let's fix our our, our downtime. There's nothing wrong. Yeah. Nothing. And I think a lot of people in the industry most. I don't think I know a lot of people in the industry have yeah, that mentality. I agree. And I've that's never something that's needed to be highlighted. That does that. So um, it's always about how can we do things better and um, improve economics and mm-hmm. efficiency along the way. What I love about oil and gas is that you can accomplish all of those things uh, uh, quick, all at one time and quickly yes. too. So yeah, I agree with you a hundred percent there. Right. So, you know, that's, um, it's one reason I like uh, technologies and methods like this because you have to really focus on how can we increase efficiency um, in oil and gas operations. And I mean, when you talk about, hey, we spend uh, six to ten million dollars on a well and we only recover four percent of the oil, it's not very fucking efficient there. So well, that's we- <laughs> why no one wants to give us capital, right? Yeah. You know, I have this. You were there at New Wave, and I, I I've said this multiple times. Once again, getting back to the private equity deals, but we burned a lot of cash. Mm-hmm. Oil and gas burned a lot of cash. And we burned it in a way because we weren't, in many ways, being honest. We knew in the early days of Shell, 90, 100 days in, we were seeing declines. But there was Steep declines. Yes. And though the oil companies knew it, right? But no one went back and said a little bit, of, hey, guys, we're going to have to drill our way to maintain. And that's where I think private equity and why we can't get capital in many ways. And I think capital is coming back to us. Yeah. But it's it's coming well, with terms that's what, now that okay, are Okay, so fun. this this 
this is a very deep topic at a meta level because what we're seeing right now is the Biden administration and other entities saying oil and gas companies need to bring production. They need to ramp up production. The only way that you ramp up production is by drilling more wells. And the problem is you have steep decline curves, which we know. Mm -hmm. And so you're always, we're going to be drilling to replace and maintain production. And, you know, yeah, we knew early on, a lot of people knew early on that there was steep decline curves and um, that we weren't recovering. You know, we could prove out what reserves were. And but it's we the reason knew why we money's in conventional now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> money's and, back in the conventional game. We went back 20 and, years. <laughs> um, anyways, so this has um, had a lot of negative second order effects. But now you look at, you know, I, I think this is one reason why prices are structurally just going to be increased for at least mm-hmm. next couple of years. Yes. Just because, okay, once we finally, we talked about supply chain shortages. Okay. Now we're at the point where we can drill more if we want to, but mm-hmm. now we're replacing um, production. That's right. So it's going to be, I think oil companies are going to have to put a lot of time. I, I think you're going to see a paradigm shift where, you, you know, are. I hear a lot of people talking about PDP and, oh, you know, yeah. it's not just talking about drilling, talking mm-hmm. about production and increasing efficiency in production and technologies like this are going to play you a know, part our whole thought process was as we we started coming together and it, you know it's you you know as an idea of taking digital wildcatters from you guys just starting and then all of a sudden I mean holy stuff we got cameras and we got this, and we got this. <laughs> right I mean it's yeah. it, it's cool to realize it yeah but during the realization one thing people don't see from the outside of a business is also the holy shit moment what does this mean now we have to do this and that and and, and how do we have this topic of discussion and oil companies that we're working with right now are, are coming and being very open with us and saying, Hey, look, we're really into this tech. We like where we're going. We like the ability to reuse and recycle our fluids and, and, and whatnot. They're really also telling us that, look, we know that we don't have nowhere else to go. And if we don't figure something out differently, we can't drill our way out now. Now a management team that may have their own capital in it, now they're getting nervous, right? Because, hey, we did really well. We probably made our money out. But if we were to go sell right now, even at a high price, hey, no one's buying right now. Mm-hmm. No one's going to buy $107 PDP. Yeah. Because if Putin goes tomorrow, all of a sudden, Russia's yeah. oil's back on you, the market. You bought at the top. You're yeah. at 60. You mm-hmm. just you might as well just not even come to work the next day. Just hand, yeah. hand the keys over to your investors and yeah, just say, sure. have a good day. Go for home. Sure. And uh, no, I think we're in a great time to see great technologies. Um, I, I kind of wish there were more coming out. Yeah, um, I think there's a lot, but I, I think, think you will see a lot more. I mean, I, I look, think we are super bullish on humans' ability to innovate and yeah. come up with solutions and. Um, you know, when people see a problem, they, they find a solution. We how, know this. How did, how did they build the, uh, you know, I've been laughing a lot about how they build the pyramids in Egypt, right? Like they're ha- we, we can figure this out, yeah. you know, and I think we're going to, and, and the, I'm, I'm having so much t- uh, fun. Our team's having so much fun, right? We had a great, well, we've had great success coming, uh, operators coming, but the, a weird blessing for us has also been timing has been great, man. I got my deal with step at $30 oil. Yeah. 
right? And yeah. and I thought it was going to be thirty dollar oil for the next for a long time years, yeah. right? <laughs> and and, uh, and so now we're staring down what you know one twenty or whatnot. Um, and the amazing education we've got over the last two years, just understanding how this thing really comes together. Yeah. Um, working with companies like Fresco, the Steps, the IRTs, and and being out there. I think if I could say anything to these startups, I see a lot of them come in sometimes and they want to roll the whole machine by themselves. But what we figured out at UCS is, yo, it's just little dummy Tad and some really smart people. Mm-hmm. How about we partner up with people that have already got that box checked and that box checked? And next thing you know is you then have like a little mini army behind a, a technology. Yeah. And that changes people. Growth, their, growth by partnership in. is a very viable way to grow. Uh, I, 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 I didn't come from the money to grow any other way. Yeah. And that's why I also get upset when I hear guys say, well, I just can't raise money. I said, look, man, I went a long ways on. So I, I, I lived majority of the, the time building UCS. I, I get a disability check from the military, but I got fired from a mattress firm. I got fired from a pet, <laughs> depo- pet, uh, pet uh, what is it? Uh, not a pest uh, termite place. How are you gonna get? How are you gonna get fired from mattress firm? Oh, dude! But when you're doing chemistry homework, laying on the beds at night, not selling, um, you know, it, it, it's funny. I I got a message from one of the guys that let me go a while back because I was telling people what I was doing at these jobs. Right? Like, yeah. I'm working on this. It's bigger and better. You're like, and of course, everybody's like, "You're stupid. No way!" Right? You hear this like, "Oh, never gonna happen." And now I'm getting emails from people saying, hey, man, um, you got any jobs in this? Yeah. Like, yeah, like, this ain't mattresses, boys. Have, have you heard of the mattress firm conspiracy theory? No, no, no. What is this? Oh, I my hear. gosh. Dude. <laughs> so there's this entire conspiracy theory, which I've gone deep down this rabbit hole of mattress firm is a massive money laundering scheme. No one's ever there. No one. So no one's ever there in the density of mattress firm stores. So over They're in Kitty. There is an intersection and there's four mattress firm, um, either a mattress firm or a subsidiary, you know, off brand of mattress yep. firm all on the same intersection. I worked across the street from the other mattress firm. We had two yes, mattress firms ta- staring at no, each other, man. Everywhere that there's a mattress firm, there's another one right across from it. And so I've done some back of the envelope math on, you know, what's the average, um, um, I would duration of buying one customer a night. Like. Yeah. It doesn't make it doesn't make sense. And they went by. They went by, right? So they they so came in and talked. I got first that's what I was going. I was like, how many people actually come through the stores because uh, that's that's the whole thing is like you buy a mattress every, you know, 8 years on average. Yeah. And you take the population of Katie. It's how many mattress firms are in. Matt, the math don't work, the right? Math, the math from an <laughs> operator perspective, I'm like, the math doesn't check So out. how I got fired, right, was um, so I was in uh, school. So that, once again, I'm 36-year-old dude going back to university, old man right on, on, on <laughs> campus, right? And so, and I'm like the bum because everyone's looking at me like, no one understood that I just came from a really good background, like, like uh, uh, leading a huge company in the U.S., right? Here I am now just a guy in an RV working at a mattress firm. I learned a lot. Let me just tell you, America doesn't care about poor people. I was one and uh, as a joke. And um, but so I'm there doing my organic chemistry work. And the the manager of everybody walks in, of course, to go try to help him out. And, and I didn't know who the guy was. And and uh, he starts telling me about why I shouldn't be doing this. I said, well, my boss lets me at night work on my, 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 my work while I'm doing this. Blah, blah, blah. Next thing I know, I was fired the next morning. <laughs> and uh, I asked, I said, what did I do wrong? They said, well, essentially the guy felt like you told him he was stupid. And I was like, ah, okay, that was me. That probably was me. But, good, way, uh, good way to get fired. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I, I, I tell people, if you're in a startup, you got to be really jump in. I've been blessed. I will say um, um, maybe a lot of people have it 
like financially, I, I haven't seen that blessing, but I will tell you the freedom and the fun and the people it's worth every yeah. bit. I'm sure you guys feel the same way. It's, it's hard. Um, it sucks. Yeah. When you, um, when you get to wake up and work on something that you're passionate about, oh, super underrated dude, when i get to walk around with jars like that and take yeah. them into lunch meetings and say hey let me get on your well right it's a it's a fun thing and there's there's no dollar that could ever ever replace the feeling of feeling like you actually did something yeah but i lead that in to go say there's so many of the ideas that i know are still good ideas that are sitting in the field mm-hmm. and if i was a, a energy company and i was an operator i would almost put more focus on my r&d program to come from the field yeah for sure. The, the the downside and what I'm learning is because I'm very surrounded by very good now engineers that have been doing big things at big companies for 20, 30 years. Some of the things I notice is though is like, hey, yo, they, they don't really know how it goes down. Mm-hmm. Like, yo, y- y'all, y- y'all, y'all don't know what a frack job really means when you're zipper fracking and rigging out, rigging in and swinging hammers. It's late. It's snowing in Minot, North Dakota at fucking negative 40. <laughs> and you see brine water freeze. Yo, like, like yeah, yeah. you don't know. There's like a lot of implied knowledge yeah, that comes from those. Steel doesn't work the same yeah. in negative 40, man. Yeah. It doesn't feel the – hammers don't yeah. feel the same. And uh, – Yeah, there's um, – yeah, that, that's what I say all the time is that when you spend those cold nights, I mean, Ooh. you learn a lot just about oh. how shit actually works oh, out man. in the field. So, Tad, we got to wrap this yeah. one up. Where can people find you if they want to reach out and, and um, learn more about easily, this? Uh, I'm not on uh, TikTok and stuff, but uh, LinkedIn, um, UCS, we're getting a new website right now. But the other way to find a way to get to us is Step Energy. If you reach out to a local Step guy, if you got a Step sales rep, uh, just say, hey, we're interested in that tech. They'll line everything up and we'll get in the room and, and me and the gang will come help make a positive action happen. Cool. Um, so it's that simple. Shoot me a cool. message on LinkedIn or... Uh, all right, screw you or whatever you want and i'll probably <laughs> respond so thank you so much man yeah man appreciate you coming on the show guys if you want to uh reach out to tad you can go find him on linkedin we'll drop a uh, link to his linkedin in the uh show notes appreciate you coming on the show man <laughs>